Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion syllabus in Minnesota Voters Alliance v. Mansky. Certiorari to the United States Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit. Argued February 28, 2018. Decided June 14, 2018. Minnesota law prohibits individuals, including voters, from wearing a political badge, political button, or other political insignia inside a polling place on election day. This political apparel ban covers articles of clothing and accessories with political insignias upon them. State election judges have the authority to decide whether a particular item falls within the ban. Violators are subject to a civil penalty or prosecution for a petty misdemeanor. Days before the November 2010 election, Petitioner Minnesota Voters Alliance MVA, and other plaintiffs challenged the ban in federal district court on First Amendment grounds. In response to the lawsuit, the state distributed an election day policy to election officials providing guidance on enforcement of the ban. The election day policy specified examples of prohibited apparel to include items displaying the name of a political party, items displaying the name of a candidate, items supporting or opposing a ballot question, or issue-oriented material designed to influence or impact voting, and material promoting a group within, with a recognizable political view. Election day, some voters ran into trouble with the ban, including petitioner Andrew Selick, who allegedly was turned away from the polls for wearing a Please ID Me button and a t-shirt bearing the words Don't Tread on Me a Tea Party Patriots logo. MVA and other plaintiffs argued that the ban was unconstitutional, both on its face and as applied to their particular items of apparel. The district court granted the state's motion to dismiss, and the Eighth Circuit affirmed the dismissal of the fa facial challenge and remanded the case for further proceedings on as-applied challenge. The district court granted summary judgment to the state on the as-applied challenge, and the Eighth Circuit affirmed. MVA Selick and petitioner Susan Jeffers, collectively MVA, petitioned for review of their facial First Amendment claim only. The Supreme Court held, Minnesota's political apparel ban violates the free speech clause of the First Amendment. Because the political apparel ban applies only in a specific location, the interior of a polling place, it implicates the court's forum-based approach for assessing restrictions that the government seeks to place on the use of its property. International Society for Krishna Consciousness Incorporated versus Lee. A polling place in Minnesota qualifies as a non-public forum under the court's pre precedence as such, it may be subject to content-based restrictions on speech. See Cornelius v. NAACP, Legal Defense, and Education Fund. So long as the restrictions are reasonable and not an effort to suppress expression merely because public officials oppose the speaker's view, Perry Education Association v. Perry Local Educators Association, because the text of the statute makes no distinction based on a speaker's political persuasion, 
The question is whether the apparel ban is reasonable in light of the purpose observed by the forum. Minnesota's prohibition on political apparel serves a permissible objective. In Burson versus Freeman, the court upheld a Tennessee law imposing a 100-foot zone around a polling place in which no person could solicit votes, distribute campaign materials, or display campaign posters, signs, or other campaign materials. In finding that the law withstood even strict scrutiny, the Burson plurality, whose analysis was endorsed by Justice Scalia's opinion, of, opinion concurring in the judgment, emphasized the problems of fraud, voter intimidation, confusion, and general disorder that had plagued polling places in the past. Against that historical backdrop, the plurality and Justice Scalia upheld Tennessee's determination that a campaign free zone outside the polls was necessary to secure the advantages of the secret ballot and protect the right to vote. MVA argues that Burson considered only active campaigning outside the polling place by campaign workers and others trying to engage voters approaching the polls, while Minnesota's ban prohibits passive self-expression by voters themselves when voting. But although the plurality and Justice Scalia and Burson did not expressly address the application of the Tennessee law to apparel or consider the interior of the polling place as opposed to its environs, the Tennessee law swept broadly to ban even plain display of campaign, a campaign-related message, and the Burson court upheld the law in full. The plurality's conclusion that the state was warranted in designating an area for voters as their own as they entered a polling place suggests that an interest more significant, not less, is within that place. No basis exists for rejecting Minnesota's determination that some forms of campaign advocacy should be excluded from the polling place in order to set it aside as an island of calm in which voters can peacefully contemplate their choices. Casting a vote is a weighty civic act, and the state may reasonably decide that the interior of the polling place should reflect the distinction between voting and campaigning, and while the court has not uh, sorry, has noted the non-destructive nature of expressive apparel in more mundane settings. See Board of Airport Commissioners of Los Angeles versus Jews for Jesus. Those observations do not speak to the unique context of a polling place on election day. But the line the state draws must be reasonable. The state, therefore, must be able to articulate some sensible basis for distinguishing what may come in from what may stay out. The unmoored use of the term political in the Minnesota law, combined with haphazard interpretations the state has provided in official guidance and representations to this court, cause Minnesota's restriction to fail this test. The statute does not define the term political a word that can broadly encompass anything of or relating to the to government or government or the conduct of government affairs Webster's third international dictionary the state argues that the apparel ban should be interpreted more narrowly to prescribe only words and symbols 
that an objectively reasonable observer would perceive as conveying a message about the electoral choices at issue in the polling place. At the same time, the state argues that the category of political peril is not limited to campaign apparel. The court considers a state's authoritative constructions in interpreting a state law, but far from clarifying the indeterminate scope of a provision, Minnesota's electoral choices construction introduces confusing line-drawing problems. For specific examples of what messages are banned under that standard, the state points to the election day policy. The first three categories of prohibited items in the policy are clear, but the next category, issue-oriented material designed to influence or impact voting, raises more questions than it answers. The state takes the position that any subject on which a political candidate or party has taken a stance qualifies as an issue within the meaning of that category. Such a rule, whose fair enforcement requires an election judge to maintain a mental index of the platforms and positions of every candidate and party on the ballot, is not reasonable. The next broad category in the Election Day policy, any item promoting a group with recognizable political views, makes matters worse. The state does not confine that category to groups that have endorsed a candidate or taken a position on a ballot question. As a result, any number of associations, educational institutions, businesses, religious organizations, could have an opinion on an issue confronting voters. The state represents that the ban is limited to apparel promoting groups with well-known political positions, but that requirement only increases the potential for erratic application, as its enforcement may turn in significant part on the background knowledge of the particular election judge applying it. It is self-evident that an indeterminate prohibition carries with it the opportunity for abuse, especially where it has received virtually open-ended interpretation. See Jews for Jesus again. The discretion election judges exercise in enforcing the ban must be guided by objective, workable standards. Without them, an elective judge's own politics may shape his views on what counts as political. And if voters experience or witness episodes of unfair or inconsistent enforcement of the ban, the state's interest in maintaining a polling place free of distraction and disruption would be un undermined by the very measure intended to further it. Thus, if a state wishes to set its polling places apart as areas, of free, areas free of partisan discord, it must employ a more discernible approach than the one offered by Minnesota here. The judgment is reversed and remanded. Chief Justice Roberts delivered the opinion for a court in which Justices Kennedy, Thomas, Ginsburg, Alito, Kagan, and Gorsuch joined. Justice Sotomayor filed a dissenting opinion in which Justice Breyer joined. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to join a discussion about this or any of the other decisions, please find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash SCOTUS slip. Thank you.